Hello and welcome to Today in Sports Betting. I'm your host, Doug Reed, for Friday, January 28th. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Reed 34. That's R-E-I-D 34. Happy to answer any questions, thoughts, comments you have. Always like to get some feedback. Uh, any ideas for strategy sessions, which we're going to get to today. And one came up from somebody who sent me a note, so much appreciated. Um, but before I get into that, this is the Sports Ethos presentation. And if you're not following us yet, you can go to sportsethos.com to check out some information there, some of our packages, some of our insight. And you can also follow, follow us on two great Twitter feeds. One is Ethos Wagering. You'll get our daily free play you, uh, you'll, which was a winner yesterday uh, on the um, Golden State Warriors late game. They covered that, so it was a free play winner. Uh, you'll get insight, injury updates, thoughts, comments on various uh, sports from our handicappers at Sports Ethos. So follow us at Ethos Wagering. Also, if you're a fantasy basketball uh, player, I highly recommend you follow us at Ethos Fantasy BK for basketball single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed out there. You can get all the NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than a competition, provides more analysis as well. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. So uh, as we always do on Fridays on the show, uh, I like to do a strategy session. Uh, Some just ideas, uh, what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, um, not 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 on the boards, but from different ways to bet, manage your bank account, what you should be looking for. And uh, I got a request or a comment in uh, from one of our listeners, Blackman underscore NYC. And he asked about uh, building models and running models and what I thought about that. So I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes and um, get into two of the models I use. One I consider model, one's kind of a loose model for the NBA and NCAA and break down how I do it and what I think there. Um, but just in general, when you come to models now for uh, sports wagering, you can go online um, and find a million different uh, site sources that have various, various different models. You can go to some of the bigger uh, sports companies and they'll site where they have a um, they run you know 10,000 simulations for every game that comes up with a number. Uh, you can go and you know listen to podcasts. You can listen to others, uh, find research, and they'll have over/under angles. They'll have uh, various models that they cite. I remember listening to one guy who was who was actually quite good, and, and I liked him. But but I, I didn't trail him on tail him on these. Uh, he would cite. Uh, he used he had about five or six different models, and I kind of got lost because he bounced back and forth between them. And one of them was he would say. Um, this is a home. This is a team, a playoff team from last year, that is playing at home, off a loss, in the next game, and their winning percentage was whatever fifty eight point five percent. And I just thought that's a model. I mean, that's that. Those inputs make no sense to me. Who cares what the playoff team was last year? If you did that in the NBA a couple years ago, the Raptors won the uh, the championship. The next year they lost Kawhi, Danny Green, um, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka. And Kyle Lowry didn't play for the last, barely played for the last quarter of the year. It's irrelevant what they did in their playoff team last year. It's a whole new team. A lot of times in the NFL, you'll see guys who cite uh, against the spread models. You know, Dallas is 20 and 3 against the Washington football team in the last, uh, sorry, 20 and 3. Let's say they are 
18 and two in the last uh, 10 years against the Washington football team. Uh, they play them twice every year. Kind of a ridiculous stat because none of those players played on that team, the, those teams years ago. Um, none of those coaches, coaches weren't there years ago. Uh, so my point to that is there's all kinds of different models out there. And I think it's important. The first thing I would say is understand what the inputs are in these models. And by that, I mean, what is uh, Sportsline using for their 10,000 simulations uh, for every game? What are they, you know, are they just using one loss records? Are they just using goals for and against, uh, points for and against? They're using more than that, but, it, but, it, but I'm suggesting understand what the models are. Understand what the inputs are. And do they align with what you think is of value? And I'll show you that in my MBA model, what I think is of value, and that's why I use it. Uh, I'll show you that shortly. Um, but make sure you understand the model and what the inputs are. Don't just take the blind faith that, oh, somebody has a model. They must be smart. Now, let me preface all this with, I am not a computer programmer. I am not a, uh, I don't have a degree in math. Uh, so I like to try and keep things simple. Uh, sometimes I wish I were more of a computer programmer. Uh, but don't be phased by a big over-the-top model that spouts, um, you know, these multiple thousands of simulations. It may be good, but understand what's in the model, what the inputs are. And like any model, uh, a model is only as good as the person behind it and what the inputs they used. Um, again, if it lines with what you're thinking, that makes sense. Uh, if it's bogus, so uh, one loss record of playoff-based teams from the previous year, scrap it. I mean, I have no interest in following that model. A uh, Against the spread for the last 10 years of NFL football, no interest in following those models. They're great conversation pieces. They sound good when people spelt those numbers off. Who cares if the Cowboys are 18-2 and two against the spread in the last 10 years against uh, the Washington football team? Completely irrelevant what they're going to do on this given Sunday that they're playing. Um, so know what the inputs in any model is. Also, is it back-tested? If you create your own model or if you see another model, make sure it's been back-tested. And what I mean by that is... Um, if they're spouting out something they, they, they're using, how long has this been in place? Have they used these exact same inputs for the whole season, for multiple seasons? Again, if you're looking at the NFL model, an ATS spread doesn't really do much for me if you're going back five, six, seven, eight, nine years. It's a whole different team, okay? But a basketball, if you're using offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, which I use throughout this season, again, last season doesn't matter, different teams. This season, season goes on, there's more and more games, there's more and more data, more and more data points, that becomes more relevant. Relevant. So make sure it's been back-tested and, and, and it's not just, any, any model is basically a forward-looking model, so trying to anticipate the future, using previous information. So it's not guaranteed to get, uh, predict the future, but you wanna know that they've used these numbers, back tested them and run the numbers and they make some kind of sense to you. And also find reliable models that you understand. I've kind of touched on that, but you need to understand what they are. Don't just take the blind faith when someone says, oh no, we've got a model and it's really good. And again, if you listen to my strategy sessions, the first one we did was the winning number in sports wagering. It's 52.4%. If you see someone who says they've got their model and they're winning at 70% in the NFL this year, or they're winning at 70% in the NBA, just move on. Now, they may be winning at 70% over the last two weeks, over the last month. Maybe it's a money line model they have that's winning at 70%. Um, again, we talked about this before. What does 70% mean? But if you're looking for a model, understand what it is, uh, understand it's been back tested, and find reliable sources. 
So that's not really how to create models, but I think there are so many models out there and I don't know that we all have, we have to go out and try and recreate the wheel. Find reliable sources, find models that you like and use them, um, follow them, track them. Now I'm gonna give you a little breakdown of my models. Um, I use kind of what I would call two different approaches. For the MBA, I use a pure analytical first and then I overlay that with my own research uh, and knowledge. And then in the NCAA, I kind of reverse that. I use my own research and then I overlay that with analytical tools. Now, not my analytical tools, uh, and I'll get to uh, the analytical tools that I outsource. And I'm a huge believer in outsourcing. If you can outsource the data management, why try and crunch all those numbers yourself? Why create a spreadsheet uh, and try and input all those numbers uh, constantly every day? If you can find them somewhere and download them, great. But the NBA, uh, the NBA I use a Hollinger site uh, through SPN. Uh, for their stats, I just go there, get the get the data that they've crunched and input it into my system. For the NCAA, I use the three sources I'll talk to in a minute, but they do a lot of number crunching. So let them do it for you. Take the numbers, put them into your model uh, and use it from there. So uh, to get to the MBA, basically what I use, and, and I started this a while back. I remember looking at the lines uh, in the NBA and just thinking, you know what? I've been on the wrong side of too many games that I just don't understand. They just don't make sense to me. And then I started realizing my personal biases were coming into place. And that's one of the biggest things you need to try and get out of your mind when you're wagering on sports is your own personal biases. Like I often tell people, don't bet on your favorite team. Don't bet on your home team. Uh, if you're a weekend warrior kind of and you only bet a few times, you want to bet on your team and watch them and cheer them, I get that. But if you're trying to run uh, um, run a model and or, 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 or lots of be- or regular betting, try, not, try to take your own personal biases out of it. And that's what models can help you do. So to get to my MBA, um, again, what I was looking at was, was I couldn't figure out why I was on the wrong side of numbers that I thought looked, you know, like I really had the game down and I, and, and I lost a number of them. So I went in and I looked at some, some metrics that I like. That I, uh, the three metrics that I like the most in the MBA are pace, which is basically the number of possessions a team uses per game on offense. So the number of possessions a team uses uh, per game on offense Uh, Offensive efficiency, which is the number of points a team scores per 100 possessions. And then defensive efficiency, which is the number of points a team allows per 100 possessions. possessions. So now any one of those stats individually really mean nothing. Um, They don't give you a lot of insight. They don't help you uh, analyze much. For example, uh, Houston. They are the fastest team right now. So again, I use Hollinger. Uh, if you go to Google Hollinger, H-O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R at ESPN, uh, and his rankings uh, with a b- bunch of stats come up. But his pace metrics, now they vary between site. And I, and I always struggle with this. I mean, the pace should be fairly static, as should offensive and defensive efficiency, but they tend to vary between sites. Regardless, I like the Hollinger ones, so I stick with them. Uh, on pace, the Houston Rockets, who are one of the worst teams in the league, are the fastest team. So what does that tell you? It tells you they're fast. That's all it tells you. It doesn't tell you they're very good. It doesn't tell you they win a lot. It just tells you they're fast. Uh, they're also offensively, offensive efficiency, they're the fourth worst team in the league. So they run, but they don't score very well. Defensively, they're the worst defensive team in the league. Well, that makes sense. They're struggling this year. So, put, so individually, all those three numbers, what does that tell you about Houston? They play fast, they don't score, and they don't defend that well. Okay, so they play fast. You think they might score a little bit more, even though they struggle, and they give up a lot of points. So every one of their games should be high scoring. Not necessarily going to be true. Um, 
Conversely, if I just look at offensive or defensive metrics, defensive, they're going to lose every game. Well, they've been losing a lot, but they're not going to lose every game. So what I do is I take that data and I basically merge it together, and I'll explain in a second, to get the number for the home team and to get the number for the road team. Come up with my two numbers for those teams, subtract one from the other, uh, give the home team a three-point, um, pardon me, come up with those two numbers, put them together, and I get the total for the game. Subtract the high, the lower from the higher number, uh, give the home team a three-point advantage for home court advantage, and that I come up with my spread. And I'm going to break down a game in a second tonight and how I've done that. Um, now, the home court advantage of the general consensus is in the NBA, it's three points for each team. Again, when you go to college basketball it's much different but in the nba pro teams relatively full stadiums i know everybody likes to say that their uh, home fan base is the best in the league but the fact of the matter is when you get to professional sports especially the nba um it's about a three-point home court advantage that's not me making that number up that's just kind of the general consensus so if i take those numbers and i'm going to break down tonight's game uh, between which is the game I'm on between the Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks. So right now, uh, Vegas has Boston traveling to Atlanta. Total is 217, and Atlanta's minus one on the spread. So I've taken the numbers and I basically take pace, so number of possessions uh, per game, time offense times offensive efficiency, so the number of points team scores per hundred possessions. So I'm trying to find out how many possessions they have. If they had exactly 100 possessions a game and they scored exactly 100 points per 100 possessions, their number for the game would be 100. So right now, uh, Boston's... So sorry, I take those. Then I add the team's pace times the opponent's defensive efficiency. Okay, so I need to find what I think Boston can score. Then I need to uh, add what I think they can score, but at the pace that Atlanta is going to allow them to play. And then I divide that by two, and that's the Celtics number. I go to the other side, I take Atlanta's pace times their offensive efficiency, plus Atlanta's pace times Boston's defensive efficiency, get there and divide that by two, I get their total number for the game. So what I've done, so for Boston, right now their pace is 98.8, uh, relatively slow team. Uh, League-wise, their offensive efficiency is 107.8. Their defensive efficiency is 104.2. So I take their pace uh, times offensive efficiency, so 98.8 times 107.8. And then I add their pace, 98.8 times Atlanta's defensive efficiency, which is 111.6. Total add up, divide up by two. And that comes out with a Celtics number of, I have Celtics at 108.38. So they should score 108.38 points tonight by my model. Flip it over for Atlanta. I have them scoring, doing the same thing. Uh, they come in with a pace of 99.7 times that by their offensive efficiency of 112. Then I take their pace, 99.7 times the Celtics defense efficiency, 104.2. Add those together, divide them by two. I get Atlanta's total for tonight of 107.78. So Boston on a neutral court, which is not, they are 108.38 to Atlanta's 107.78. Boston would be slightly favored. Take off it. So total, add those together. My total is 216.2. Uh, when I subtract Atlanta's total from Boston's, but give Atlanta the three-point home advantage, I actually have the Hawks coming up as 2.4-point favorites tonight. So the line is 217, Atlanta minus one. 
My line is Boston 216.2. Sorry, total 216.2, Atlanta minus 2.4. So my num- my to- my total is 0.8 away from the Vegas total. So I don't play that. Anytime I'm within one point uh, on a number, a total or a spread, I just consider that a no play. My line has the Hawks two and a half, 2.4 point favorites. Vegas line has them at one. So I'm actually on the right side. Uh, I think I'm on the right side. I think they're a little bit more, um, should be a little bit more favorite than what Vegas has. So that isn't an automatic play though. I look at that and I say, okay, I'm leaning towards Atlanta. Let me look a little deeper. So I do the analytical research, which is that, and then I overlay that with my own. So Atlanta's been playing very well lately. Um, I think they've won five in a row. Yeah, they won five straight uh, with wins, including Milwaukee, Minnesota, and Miami. Uh, they are 12 and 11 at home. Conversely, Celtics are 9 and 14 in the road, 4 and 10 in their last 14 in the road. Um, they played at Atlanta in November. They lost 110 to 99. So the numbers line up for me. The Hawks are playing well. Boston's not a great road team. They played already once. I know it's only one game. They played already once at Atlanta, and Atlanta won by 11 points. I'm on the Hawks tonight, so I'm going to put money on the Hawks. Um, Another game right before it, I've got Detroit at Orlando. The line is total 214.5. My line's 212.5. I'm not going to touch that one. I've got Orlando minus 2.6. The line is minus 3.5. So that's actually higher. If I were going to, that's still too close because it's in within one point. So I'm not going to touch that game. But when I get a game where I'm on the wrong side, so my number is much lower than what the uh, what the market has, uh, that's when I look to the other uh, to play the other side of that game. So that's a little imp- a little overview in my NBA model. Um, there's uh, so a little analytical approach. I'm using Hollinger stats. Put it all together with the three stats that I like being pace, offensive efficiency, and defense efficiency. Um, get a total, get a number, see how it compares to the Vegas line, and then use my personal research as an overlay. And I didn't say this earlier, but I always think that's important too. Don't just you blindly use a model. You find a model you like, don't just say, click, what do they say? That's the side I'm on. You need to, especially in the NBA, for example, you know, when I look at the, um, the Lakers at Charlotte tonight, Lakers, Anthony Davis is questionable, LeBron's questionable, Westbrook's questionable. Okay. So I've got the Lakers. They should be five and a half point underdogs. They're eight point underdogs right now. I can't touch that game. You know, by, by my, my model, I should be taking the Lakers because I have them uh, losing by five and a half points. Vegas saying they're going to lose by eight. Well, that's that's a decent number, decent spread. But I don't know if Davis is playing. Uh, you know, is he going to play three games and four nights coming back? LeBron didn't play last night. Is he coming back? Westbrook's a question mark. I can't touch that. So I need, I can't just look at the number. I can't just click on it and say, this is what my model says. Or if I subscribed or I had a model somewhere, I'll say, this is what the model says and just go with it. No, I've got to overlay my own eyes on it. I've got to lay my, overlay my own thoughts. And I think that's important in any model, in any sport, but in any model. Uh, onto the NCAA, I flip it around. So I do my research first and then I add the analytical angle. So with that, uh, my, my, in my research, the MBA, college basketball is a little harder to use pure analytics out of the gate I find because most teams play non-conference schedules so their first 15 18 games of the year leading up to January 1st for the most part are against teams not in their not in their conference there's 358 teams in the country they play teams from all over 
Okay. Duke could play a team from California, from Texas, from Michigan, uh, a you know, D3 school that they absolutely blow out. And then when they get to the ACC play and they're playing likes of North Carolina and Virginia, those teams may not have played any of those same schools. So you can't really compare uh, and contrast what they've done through the analytics. Uh, so, so I like to look at the teams first, uh, what I see out there, trends that, I, that, that I'm aware of. Um, and then from there, Sorry, I'm just trying to pull up the uh, board. Uh, and, then, and then from there, I will go to uh, the analytical tools, which I use. So for example, uh, sorry, and then the analytical tools that I use, there are three sites and these guys crunch a massive amount of data. And this is what I, well, I, uh, what I mentioned earlier, I love outsourcing the data management. If I can find people who can run their own model, uh, give me the data that I'm looking for, and then merge that with my thoughts, it's not what most people would consider a model, but it works for me. So what I use, the three the three sites that I use for college basketball are Ken Palm, that's K-E-N-P-O-M.com. He's kind of the guru of anal- analytics. You'll often, if you're watching college basketball teams, you'll often uh, hear him refer to his, his stats. Uh, you can, I think you have to pay for that. It's, it's like $20 a year. It's pretty, it's very affordable. It's great stats as well. Uh, the second one is Bart Torvik. B-A-R-T, then T-O-R-V-I-K.com. And he runs analysis in every game. And what I like about all three of these, uh, they'll give you the, what they score is. So uh, they'll give you what they think. You know, the one game I'm on tonight uh, is Akron Toledo. Uh, they'll give you what they think the actual score will be. You can get you can get a gist of uh, sorry individuals and then the total points. You can break it down further um, when you click through. The third one I like to use is Jeff Sagarin. Je- Jeff with a J S A G A R I N. Uh, just Google that. He does work through USA Today uh, every day. He, uh, all the games are listed and broken down. Uh, a lot of data that gets shown there as well. And what I like about these three systems is they are pure analytical system. There's no commentary, there's no input, there's no thoughts. Here's what the numbers say. This is what our system says the score should be, period. So I have the ability to just outsource that data, come up with my own system and and, uh, take it from there. So for example, the one game I'm looking at, one of the games I'm looking at tonight at 7 p.m. is Akron uh, at Toledo. Currently Toledo's a seven and a half point favorite. Toledo has been playing really well, and I've been on them for a while. Total 140. I'm not on that, but but I've been on Toledo for a while. Uh, two very solid teams. I like. Uh, I'm leaning more. I was leaning more towards Toledo. Broke the game down a little. Looked at it um, through the Ken Palm site, but before I looked at the numbers, uh, something such as offensive efficiency. Toledo's number 47 in the country. Akron's 155. Edge to Toledo. Pace. Toledo is 86. Play relatively fast. Akron's 297. Play slow. Toledo's at home. They're going to want to play a little quicker. They're much more efficient on offense. Edges to Toledo. Turnovers uh, percentage. Toledo turns other teams over fairly well. They're number 28 in the country. That's pretty uh, strong. Um, Check on their side. When it comes to three-point shooting, I mean, I just look at various metrics and some jump off the boards. When when it comes to three-point shooting, uh, Toledo hits 36%. They're 68th in the country. Uh, but what's interesting is Akron's defense is 262nd in the country. So Toledo's well above average three-point shooting. Akron's a poor defending team for three-point shooting. Flip side of that is Akron is 
shoots three pointers at 34.4 percent, number 132 in the country. But Toledo's really good at defending against three pointers. They're 33rd best in the country. So you've got Toledo with the ability to hit three. Akron doesn't defend well. Akron hits threes all right. Toledo defends that really well. And also, um, Akron gets 34.7% of their points on three balls. That's number 93 in the country. That's pretty high. So a lot of their points come from three-point percentages. Again, Toledo's really good at defending that. So that should limit their ability to score. Then when I look at their standings in the MAC, uh, I think they're second. I think Toledo Toledo is second at 16 and four. Akron's third at 13 and five. Uh, against the spread. And this is why I was on Toledo because I knew Toledo was done really well against the spread. So this is kind of the the the, the flag that, that, that put me on this game early. Uh, against the spread, they're 14 and 5. Akron's 9 and 8. And against the spread at home, Toledo's 5 and 2. And Akron's 3 and 2. Okay, so I looked at that game. I knew I liked Toledo. Uh, dug a little deeper into the match the matchups between the two teams. A lot of check marks on Toledo's side. Okay, I like Toledo. Seven points. Uh, that's pretty tight. What do the analytical tools say? Okay, so that's my Doug Reed's thought process. I looked at this game. You know, I looked at uh, Pennsylvania and Harvard earlier today. Couldn't get a grasp on that one. Fairfield is two-point favorite. Ryder, that's too tight. I look, compare those teams, too tight. Akron and Toledo. Toledo jumped off the page for me. I like that seven points. Maybe it's right around there. If it were four or five, I would have been jumping on it immediately. Okay, let me look at the analytical tools. So I pull up my, the websites. Ken Palm has Toledo minus 11. 11 point favorites. Check. Torvik has 11 and a half. Check. And Jeff Sagrin has at 9.94. So call it 10. Minus 10. Check. I'm getting minus 7 on Toledo. All the numbers that I cited lean me towards Toledo. Uh, Good shooting. Good defense against the three ball. Akron relies a little much too on a three ball. Uh, ATS. Toledo's done very well. And then Ken Palm, Torvik, and Sagrin. Check, check, check. So my model... Works everything towards me towards Toledo. I'll pull the trigger on Toledo tonight at minus seven. So again, I you know this is not a pure input to data model. What does it say? I'm a little more like that in the NBA when I and then I overlay my personal um, thoughts after. When it comes to NCAA, I do my personal thoughts, my first my, my high level research analysts uh, analysis first, and then I go to the numbers and see if they line up. If they don't line up, so there's a couple games that I've looked at recently where. You know, Ken Palm and Torvik were close to my numbers and Sagrin was off. Okay, well, two of the three, I go back and I do my research. If it doesn't line up, I fade the game. I don't look at it. They don't all have to line up. And every game, I'm, I bet it doesn't have to line up this way. But if there's a game I, you know, I like Toledo at minus seven. I just need a little more backup. And yes, they're clearly saying minus 11, minus 11 and a half, minus 10. Okay, minus, a set, minus seven is the number. So, um a little, so that's a little bit of a, a, a look into my methodology, my models. You know, if you're looking to build your own models, it, it, it's not an easy process. You need to have the ability to get the data. You need to have the ability to create a program for yourself. I suggest uh, outsourcing the data, getting the data from someone who crunches it for you. I suggest overlaying your knowledge and your research with that data uh, is a great way to build a model. You know. I, most of my career I've spent in the financial uh, investment management industry. And if you ask most people in the investment management industry, who is the most successful investor over the last 50 years, they're gonna say Warren Buffett. Now he's not very sexy and exciting. Uh, he won't tell you to buy the next hot stock. And what does he do? He will tell you to keep it simple. Buy good companies, 
that you understand and hold them for the long term. Now, people these days want to go out and find the next Apple, the next Tesla stock, the next exciting, the next cryptocurrency. Um, But if you ask financial professionals who the most successful investor is over the last 50, 60 years, most of them will say Warren Buffett. And if you were to meet Warren Buffett, he would say, I mean, obviously he analyzes companies, they dig deeper into companies, but he buys good companies at a discount and holds them for a long time. A little too simple, it sounds like, but it works. And I think when you're looking at models, if you're gonna build a model, if you want, keep it simple. Keep it something that you understand. You understand the inputs, you value those inputs. It's not someone telling you that, oh, pace is what you need to look at in the end and you're like, well, I don't really care. I need more than just pace. No, it's just pace. Okay, no. Value the inputs, know what they are, hasn't been back tested, and for the most part, outsource the data management, like I said, if, if you can. So I hope that's uh, given a little insight into uh, some building models or thinking about models or using models. There's a lot out there. Uh, broke down mine a little. Uh, no one is perfect. And I caution you, as I said at the start, if anyone's out there spouting their 70% or more or 60%, 65% more consistently, I'd be very cautious about that. So um, that's a little strategy session, went a little longer than I planned, but now we're gonna hit the boards um, and break down some of the games tonight across the uh, NBA, uh, the NCAA, and I'm gonna hit on a little fun team Friday parlay for the uh, NHL. Now I'm really only on uh, one game in the NBA tonight. Uh, and that was actually the game I broke down for you earlier, Atlanta and Boston. Kind of quickly run through Detroit, uh, as I said, is at Orlando, De- total 214 and a half. Orlando's favored by three and a half. Uh, I've got this line about two and a half, so I'm not touching this game. Boston, as I said, total is at Atlanta, total 217. The Hawks are one point favorites. I'm actually on this. Uh, I like the Hawks by winning by maybe two and a half, three points. They've been playing well lately, and the Celtics are struggling on the road. Uh, the Lakers are in the back-to-back of a road trip. The Knights on the road. Uh, they are eight-point underdogs at Charlotte, 227 and a half. Not touching this game. I can't see Davis. I wouldn't be surprised if Davis didn't play. It'll be third game in four nights coming back, and he played a lot last night against uh, Philly. Uh, LeBron didn't play, but I imagine he'd be back. Westbrook's questionable. Malik Monk's now out. Uh, for Charlotte, you got Hayward and health and safety protocols. I would lean Charlotte. Definitely lean Charlotte here. I just don't want to lay eight points. Next game of the night, you have uh, the Nuggets traveling to New Orleans. Denver's favored by four and a half, 218 is the total. Uh, I've actually got New Orleans as a slight favorite by about half a point. So if I had to lean, I would lean towards the Pelicans. But Josh Hart's out. Brandon Ingram's questionable. And if those guys aren't playing, I think four and a half is probably a fair line. If they are, then I would lean towards New Orleans. They really only have Barton as uh, questionable. Uh, He's actually probable. Uh, the next game that you have Indiana traveling to Oklahoma City. Indiana's favored by a point. Um, total 219.5. They've got this game around to pick them. Uh, Brogdon's out. Turner's out. McConnell's out for Indy. They're struggling with the injuries. Sabonis is supposed to be back, if not not tonight, uh, soon. So that's a good sign for them. Next game is the Clippers traveling to Miami. Uh, 210.5 is the total. Uh, Miami's 7.5 point favorites. Uh, Paul George obviously is still out. Marcus Morris is out for the Clippers. Uh, Lowry is out for Miami, and Butler is questionable. This game is just, uh, I think this is a Miami game to win at seven and a half points with that many guys out or questionable. Uh, I'm not going to touch that. Miami favored by about three and a half or four. So if anything, I'd lean the Clippers. Uh, but, the, but the Butler factor is just a little too ris- risky. 
Uh, next game is Portland travels to Houston. Portland's a three and a half point favorite actually at Houston. Total 234 and a half. I've got Houston slightly favored. I just can't figure out Portland. Uh, and Houston has just been struggling, struggling to say the least. If I had to pick a side, I'd actually, I'd actually go with the Rockets. Uh, but uh, Portland somehow playing without Lillard, Nance, uh, Covington's questionable. Um, they see Norm Powell should be back tonight, so that's good. Uh, they they seem to be doing it, and they're on the road here, so I wouldn't really be favoring them. Um, just too many question marks in that game as well. Now Utah travels to Memphis. Utah uh, total two twenty six. Memphis is a five point favorite. I was on the Grizzlies, but my model's got it at about three points. Uh, now I realize Gobert's out. Gobert is out. Mitchell's out for Utah. And only Dylan Brooks is out for Memphis. I think Memphis wins this. I might look at this later at five points. I think they win this fairly easy. Uh, but Utah's got Conley back. Uh, and they seem to be able to keep games close, even with these guys out. And Memphis is probably going to play a fair bit of small ball. So the Gobert thing may not be as impactful as other games. Uh, I like Memphis. Definitely like Memphis here. We're leading Memphis, laying five. Maybe, but uh, not on that yet. Next game of the night has Chicago traveling to San Antonio to play the Spurs. Total is 231.5. San Antonio is one and a half point favorite. Interesting thing, last night this line opened at uh, Chicago minus two. So we haven't really talked about this, but opening line value, closing line value. Uh, this is a great example. If you were on this game and you like the Spurs, or pardon me, you like San Antonio, uh, they opened as two point underdogs at home. They're now one and a half point favorites. Uh, so you want you would have wanted to jump on that early. Now you've kind of lost that value, and it flips to the other side. Um, I'm still I would still lean the Spurs. Uh, I've got them three and a half point favorites, um, but they've been, they've I've been bitten by them a couple times lately. I know Chicago's got Lonzo Ball out and Crusoe's out, uh, so that's not going to help. So I'm staying away from this game as well. Minnesota's on the back to back of a tough road weekend. Last night in Golden State, tonight in Phoenix. Total is 2.30 on this one. Um, the Suns minus 8.5. I've got the Suns at just over minus 7. Uh, the Suns are missing Aiton, Crowder, Kaminsky, McGee. Basically anybody who is tall on their team seems to be hurt. And that makes it awfully tough to handicap this game because I think Minnesota, when I looked, they didn't have the injury report out, but I think they're fairly healthy. So uh, I don't, you know, I, I think Phoenix wins, but uh, with Carl Anthony Towns, who's going to stop him on Phoenix? Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to see that game being an eight and a half point spread. So if anything, I'd probably lean Minnesota, but uh, not gonna touch that. The last game of the night is the Knicks are in Milwaukee, two sixteen and a half total. Milwaukee is a nine point favorite. Uh, that's I've got Milwaukee nine and a half points, so in total two thirteen and a half. So uh, I think think Milwaukee wins this easy. No major injuries. Nerlens Noel is out, I think, for the Knicks. Uh, Robinson's probably questionable again, but nothing major. Milwaukee side um, can't see this being that close a game I think the Bucks win easy so number of games but I'm only on the one I'm only on Atlanta minus one at Boston uh, I moved the NCAA I'm on a few games um, not a big slate not a lot of big name teams going tonight uh, Kanish is at Monmouth uh, in the Metro Atlantic Athletic, Athletic Conference Monmouth is minus 11 uh, to give you the quick uh, analytical side of this, when I looked it up, I was on the game, but when I looked it up, Ken Palm's at minus 13, Torvik's minus 14, and Sagarin's minus 13. So kind of tight, but I just, uh, I like the way Monmouth is, Monmouth is playing. Uh, they've been a very good team against the spread this year. And, 
Canisius defense, uh, they are 320, 320th ranked defense against two-point shots. Now, Monmouth is only 208th ranked team there, but 320th defense is, is brutal. The flip side of that is Monmouth's a 33rd best defense against two-point shots, and Canisius is a 309th worst shooting team on two-point shots. On three-pointers, Canisius is a 307th worst three-point team. And Monmouth is 101st, 102nd best defense. So um, good defense against bad offense leads me to Monmouth and uh, what I think should be an easy one. When I broke down earlier, Akron and Toledo, I am on Toledo minus seven in that MAC game. Uh, then we go out west a little later. San Jose is at New Mexico. Tough place to play. San Jose is plus 10 at New Mexico. Playing and winning in the pit is very tough in New Mexico. But I'm actually on the total, 140.5. I know these teams both like to score, both like to run. Um, And they don't defend. And, you know, my high-level research when I started was, what's their defensive efficiency? New Mexico, number 268. San Jose, 322. Um, When it comes to three-point shooting, uh, New Mexico is not great. They're better, than, slightly better than average. They're 149th in the country, but San Jose State's defense is 266. Um, so they don't uh, they don't tend to defend three ball very well. When I look at the points scored, uh, San Jose scoring 67 and a half points, but giving up 71. New Mexico scoring just under 77, but giving up 78 per game. So high scoring game. Uh, 145 and a half is a high total, but I thought you know what, it's probably going to be more 150 ish. Go to my three uh, analytical tools, Ken Palm 151, Torvik 150, Sagarin 152.5. Boom. Uh, three for three there, so I'll take that. My final my final game of the night, and I went back and forth on this, but I decided to pull the trigger. Boise State is minus two at Fresno State. I took Fresno uh, at plus two in this Mountain West game. And the reason I did is everybody's on Boise State. They're 16 of four overall. Uh, 7-0 in the Mountain West. They've won 13 straight games. These two teams played on December 28th 28th at Boise State. Boise won 65-55. But I think this is going to be a tight game. Their defensive metrics, Boise State's the eighth uh, best uh, team in defensive efficiency. Fresno's number 34. When it comes to three-point shooting, uh, Boise's number 24. 240 in the country, Fresno's 194, so slightly into Fresno. When it comes to free throw, and this is this if this is going to be a close game, which I think it will, this is going to be a close game in the end. It could come down to free throws. Tight defensive battle late in the game, free throws. Well, Boise State hits 60.3, 355th, fourth worst team in the country at free throw shooting. I don't know how you're 13 and 0 or 13 game win streak and 16 and 4. And you only hit 60.3% of your free throws. Fresno, on the other hand, 75.3%. They're 53rd in the country. So they're very good. Boise is terrible. Fresno is very good at free throws. So I think close game at home. uh, The place is going to be hopping. Better three-point shooting. um, Better free throw throw shooting. I'm on Fresno State. I go to the metrics. Uh, Ken Palm has Fresno minus two. Torvik minus two and a half for Fresno. And then Sagarin has uh, Boise at minus 1.3. So here's what I meant. Not, here's what I meant when I said earlier. They don't always all line up. I just think a home team 
Boise's going to be Boise's favored because they're on this great run. I'm catching points with Fresno. Uh, better free throw shooting. Both good defensive metrics. I see this being a low scoring, tight game. Should be close. I'm going to lean Fresno. On to the ice and the last play of the day. Um, as usual, some very high lines. I'm not really in favor of taking any of them. So I put a fun three-team parlay together for some Friday action late at night or on the ice. Uh, Detroit travels to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's minus 260. So I took the Penguins. Colorado is in Chicago. They are minus 185 favorites on the money line. And then the Bruins travel to Arizona where they are minus 290 on the money line. So Pittsburgh minus 260, Colorado minus 185, Boston minus 290 gives me a nice 186 uh, positive return if I can hit those three. So hope you enjoyed the review of or the, the strategy session on my thoughts on models and what to look for and my own personal models and my hitting the boards today. Hope everyone had a great week, a great weekend, lots of exciting games coming up, some NFL action. Um, which I didn't touch on. Might touch on if I can get something out here on the weekend. Um, but by all means, again, hit me up on Twitter at Doug underscore Reed 34. Love to hear your thoughts, your comments. And hey, before I go, uh, I want to talk to you quickly about a couple partners we have here. One is manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com. Use, use the code HOOPBALL20 at checkout. And you get 20% off your order and free shipping. Also, uh, our pals at MyBookie, go to mybookie.ag, uses a code HOOPBALL, all one word, HOOPBALL, on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. So, hope everybody has a great Friday and you have a great weekend and we will talk to you soon.